Welcome to my Japanese Green Tea Podcast, the Green Tea Show with a Japanese Twist. And now your host, Ricardo Caicedo. Welcome to my Japanese Green Tea Podcast, episode 17. Uh, today with us on the show is James Oliveira. He's the sales representative at AI America. Uh, hi, James. Hi, how are you? Thanks for, for coming to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Um, so, could you tell us like a little intro about yourself, like how you got into tea and how did you end up working for, for Aya? Yeah, sure. I mean, it was probably quite honestly more of an accident, if anything. But, um, you know, while I was in college, I actually had the opportunity to um, live and study in Japan. So, I did study abroad. I actually lived in Tokyo for about a year. Um, you know, after I came back and um, I graduated from college, uh, you know, I was kind of, you know, like any uh, college graduate, I was kind of trying to figure out what I was wanted to do. And the opportunity actually to work with Aya, a matcha green tea company, uh, came up. And uh, somebody had mentioned if, you know, if I was interested in actually thought, you know, I like, yeah, I've been to Japan. Um, when I, actually, when I was in Japan, I actually uh, drank a lot of tea. And especially that's when I was really got introduced to matcha since it's so prevalent in everyday society there, especially in um you know, you go to a cafe or if you go to, uh, you know, ice cream shop or anything like that. It's just, it's a flavor that they use in everything. So because I, you know, I like the product and, you know, I decided, hey, what the heck, when I give it a shot? And then I was luckily able to um, get the job with iAmerica. Okay. So how long have you been working there? Um, it's actually just a little bit over three years now. Yeah, is, is really well known, right? It's one of the biggest producers of matcha, if I'm not mistaken? Yes, um, we are actually the largest producer of uh, matcha in the world. Um, of course, in Japan, since you know, matcha is really big there, um, Aya is, is more known. Um, we're more, especially in Japan, though, we're more behind the scenes, of course, um, providing matcha like business to business, you know, for either food service or for manufacturing, like providing as ingredient for, say, like green tea Kit Kats or you're making green tea ice cream or something of that nature. So okay. we are known, well known there. Um, you know, of course, since matcha is still a newer product to the the West and Western countries and other countries outside of Asia, um, Aya is not probably as well known, but it is getting more more known. So basically, m most of Aya's business is wholesale. Main, yeah, core business is basically a wholesale, what we call bulk. Since quite honestly, matcha is again, especially in Japan, it's more used by manufacturers as an ingredient. So the main part of our business is. Um, providing matcha in bulk or to wholesale. Uh, the consumer side is is uh, not as not as big, but all, obviously um, manufacturers and stuff purchase in higher volumes in the consumer anyways. So can you tell us a bit about the history of, of the Aya company? Uh, yeah, um, so uh, Aya itself has been around since 1888, roughly you know, 125 years, so slightly over. Um, it's a family-owned company. Um, so they're actually in their, I believe, their fourth generation. So my boss here um, in the States, uh, he's fourth generation. His father is the president back home currently. Originally, I actually started out as a, uh, in the beginning, as an indigo dyeing uh, or clothing, dye, clothing dyeing company. And later on, they transitioned into tea and in matcha, especially because we're, uh, the main headquarters is based in Nisho, which is, again, one of the major producing regions of matcha. The name Aya actually means uh, indigo store because since uh, Aya originally dyed clothing uh, in an indigo color, 
a lot of people just uh, or recognized the store and kept calling the company Aya. So that's how the name sticks. So that's a little um, advanced information about Aya itself. It has a long history. Oh, uh, yes. Um, long history of producing tea in that region. And does Aya uh, produce its own tea or, or it buys from... From other suppliers? Um, I, so we actually have, um, in the Nishio region, we actually have 200 contracted farmers that um, we've been working with for generations uh, that produce matcha for us. So about 80% of that region produces tea to make matcha. Um, so the Sugita family, which is the owner of Aya, um, they've been, they're, uh, that company Aya and, and all the farmers in that region have been working side by side, growing and cultivating tea for producing matcha. So we don't necessarily own the farms, but uh, again, we do have the contracted farmers. Okay. Why is Nishio so famous for much? For for that region in particular, why Nishio is so great is that actually it's a very rural, very uh, it's very countryside. It's there's not a lot of urbanization or anything like that. So it's very ideal for agriculture, especially growing tea. It's a very clean and environment. Um, so. Compared to, like, say, the other major region is Uji and Kyoto. Um, you know, obviously it's more popular, too, because uh, Kyoto, people are more familiar with Kyoto or heard it. Um, but with yeah. Kyoto and Uji in particular, there might be a little bit more urbanization because of more tourism. But with Nishio in particular, again, because it's so rural, it's a nice, clean environment. Uh, it just makes it very ideal for uh, you know, growing tea. So all the tea of Aya is produced in Nishio? Um, all of our matcha, we do actually carry other um, teas. We do other do have other premium, high quality loose leaf Japanese tea. Now that those teas in particular actually come from the Kagoshima prefecture found in Kyushu. So Nishio, um, I mean, all the farmers in Nishio primarily only produce tea uh, for making matcha. That's obviously all, again why we're our main headquarters is based in the Nishio region. But those are the two regions that that all of our teas come from. Okay. And for, for the readers that, the, that are just starting to get to know matcha, can you tell us a little about what matcha is? Sure. So matcha uh, is a powdered tea from Japan. Um, you know, originally it's been used in the Japanese tea ceremony, um, but more modernly, it's actually uh, used quite often as an ingredient to give things green tea flavor. So you may see it course in like starbucks or cafes that may offer perhaps a green tea latte a green tea frappe or you might even a lot of people have may have had a green tea ice cream um, that's actually using matcha so they you may have actually had it not know it so with matcha the uh, essentially it's uh, a tea that is shade grown and typically hand-picked then after it's been harvested it actually goes to a refining stage where they actually remove the vein stems and unwanted parts and take the meat of the leaf, just the best part, and then they will then grind that into a powder to create matcha. There's different grades of matcha, right? There's the the one for the kitchen. Is that called kitchen grade? Um, well, they might, I mean, of course, different com companies or manufacturers might call it that. Um, we call it a cooking grade, but, you know, it could be, it could be, okay. or, it could be either called like a cooking grade, ingredient grade, or culinary grade, something like that, or, again, like kitchen grade. Um, then there's the higher ones, what we would call maybe like a ceremonial grade, which is more meant for drinking as a hot traditional tea, like in the tea ceremony. So with matcha, um, there's those two categories. So basically, the again, this, uh, the high grade, the ceremony, you only want to have that with water. You don't want to add any 
any um, other ingredients to it or anything that contains a flavor component, like even a sweetener, it would kind of defeat the purpose. Whereas the culinary or cooking grade matchas, those ones are uh, specifically tailored to have a little bit more strong um, a bitterness or a stringent flavor profile. So that way, when, say, you're making an ice cream or using it in a latte, those other ingredients do not mask any of the tea flavor. And then the tea flavor can still come through and, you know, they balance each other out. Okay. And regarding to the production process or what was the difference between the the different grades of matcha? In terms of the differences, I mean, they are made uh, the same way. Um, the only thing is that typically um, with the higher grades of matcha, they may be using younger leaves that have been um, more properly shade grown, like like maybe the top, the baby leaves on the top of the tree that have been shaded throughout their throughout their lifetime. Because what happens is by shade growing the matcha, it actually um, helps maintain the amino acids in the tea, which gives it its natural sweetness. And there's not too much of that bitter astringent flavor profile. Whereas a cooking or ingredient grade may use older leaves found lower down on the tea plant that have been exposed to light longer. So they're going to have a little bit more of that stronger astringent flavor profile. And quite honestly, matcha is a lot like um, wine. So we actually there's actually tea sommeliers um, that will actually take the leaves or the tencha, as, at, which is what they use to make matcha, They'll take those leaves and actually blend them to get a certain flavor profile and consistency, whether, again, you're getting a um, ingredient grade or a higher grade like ceremonial. Because even uh, within like the ingredient grade category, there are certain levels of astringency and color and things like that. So, uh, again, matcha uh, is a lot like wine when it comes to uh, vineyards when they blend the grapes to get a certain flavor consistency as well. When you mean that that they are older leaves, are you saying that it's from a different harvest or is it the same harvest but they're lower down the plant? Uh, Yeah, it's the same harvest. It's just lower down on the plant. Now, matcha, I mean, there is basically there's two harvests of matcha. They usually do it. The first harvest is mid-May and then then they may harvest it again later on at the end of the month. Um, Now, with some of the ingredient grade, depending on how high or how good of the quality of the ingredient grade it, and how good the harvest went. Um, a ingredient grade may encompass both first harvest and let's say second harvest leaves, or sometimes it may just be primarily second second harvest. Um, okay. So it really depends on that and on just also how, how well the harvest went. Yeah, so, it, so it's almost like sencha. It can be first or second harvest. Correct. Um, j- just to clear things up, you always use tencha leaves, right? Yes, um, that's actually a, a misconception that I find a lot um, that tea companies uh, put up, which uh, is they say actually that matcha is made from gyokuro when it's actually uh, considered tencha. Yeah. Um, I think the main the main reason is because both gyokuro and tencha are, are made by shade growing. But the main difference between the two is that um, after the shade growing process to make gyokuro, they will harvest and just like, you know, the, they'll harvest the leaves and they'll dry and roll them. Whereas with matcha, again, it has to go through a refining process where they remove the veins, stems, and unwanted parts and just take the best part of the leaf. And they keep the leaf dry for um, grinding purposes. They don't roll or anything. They, they, it's a dry leaf. But once that refining stage is done, they, the, the leaves of the tea is then called tencha. Okay. Yeah, but I was asking because sometimes um, some other companies, they take some other leaves and then they grind them. 
And just because it's powder, they say it's much, you know? Yes, that's actually kind of one of my um, things I'm trying to uh, spread the word about, actually. And I'm trying to, you know, get a little bit more vocal and write some articles uh, contributing to that. So um, to use another analogy for matcha, because uh, first off, matcha, if you translate it from Japanese to English, it essentially means powdered tea. So yeah. the problem is, is that there are companies that just assume any tea powder can be considered matcha. So you might see like white matcha, black matcha, this and that. But um, the analogy that I use with matcha is that, um, you know, like for champagne, for example, champagne has to come from the region of champagne and processed there in term to be considered that. Everything else is considered sparkling wine. So in Japan, they actually make that distinction. So for matcha, you know, it has, again, it has to be shade grown, has to go through that refining stage to become tencha, then they grind it down to, in, into matcha. Whereas, um, you know, everything else in Japan will be considered a tea powder, for example, like sencha powder they have. So with sencha, you know, they uh, they usually, it's usually open air grown, it's um, typically machine harvested, and they will grind the leaves in full with the stems, veins, and things like that. And that's why sometimes too, if you actually look at the powder, depending on how they sift it, you might actually see little fragments of like veins and the stems that may be in there. And I'm, again, I'm trying to get people to stop calling uh, teas, you know, white matcha stuff. They should, they should really call it um, like white tea powder, or black tea powder, and not kind of mislead or misinform, um, you know, their consumers. Yeah, but but I guess the Japan should should make I don't know how is how is it done, but maybe they should protect it like worldwide the the matcha name, right? Um, you know that's actually a good uh, point. They um I don't know if they've ever considered that or thought about that. Um, just like I know, like in Europe, in the EU, there's some they try to protect some of their um their products in terms of the name and stuff. So I, I yeah. that that probably could be a good way, but I don't know how much how much is involved in actually protecting the name and making sure, or like, again, that champagne analogy. I saw that there, there's this, um, the traditional way of, of grinding matcha with the with the stone meal. Yeah. And and then there's another, like, more modern meal that has bolts inside. Um, yeah, there's a, diff there's a few different kinds of machines. So that's like a, I think what you're talking about might be a ball mill. There's a, there, like, you can use a ball mill or there's like air pulverization and other more modern techniques. But quite honestly, like at Aya, we actually still use the stone grinding method. It is a yeah. it is a longer process, but the thing is that despite all the technology, there's always a trade-off when you use these newer machines. Because the stone grinders in, in particular, they have a high quartz content. So, um, you know, they actually grind 24-7. And because of the quartz in it, it actually allows the machines to run. And, they, and because of the quartz, there's not too much friction. So... It doesn't heat up the tea and compromise either the color or the nutritional value or the nutritional properties of it. Um, just to let you know, it takes usually about one whole hour to produce about 30 grams of matcha through one of those stone stone grinding machines. So like one tin takes about an hour. Now with the newer machines, uh, again like the ball mill and air pulverization and so forth, there could be a trade off. For example, maybe one machine may be able to keep the fineness of the of matcha. But it may discolor the tea. Then maybe another one may be able to maintain the color of the tea, but then it, it's going to be a little bit more coarse and not as fine. So there's more of a trade-off depending on these newer machines when you when you use them. 
Okay, because I was thinking that maybe the newer machines are, are used for the cooking grade matcha, or um, are you just does it? Um, yeah, I mean, they are sometimes used for that. Um, that is true. And it also, quite honestly, it really depends on the volume of the customer like and the turnaround. For example, you know, say you're a, you're a really big, like you're a manufacturing company or somebody making ice cream and you you need like, I don't know, like say you need like 10 tons within like a month or like 10 tons in a couple weeks time, something like that. That's where, you know, because of the time issue, you may use a more modern machine because it's quicker. And again, if it's an ingredient grade, um, you may not care as much. Maybe you don't need it as fine or, or again, and there's, there's some other things that we, we do to alleviate that in terms of like the color degradation when you use some of those machines, for example, um, like internally, what we, we label for manufacturers, we have what we call like, uh, for, for our green grade is like, um, A, B, C, D. So say somebody wanted to buy like ingredient grade, like the, the B type, and we're using a machine that discolors that may discolor the tea but uh so we might use uh tensha leaves that would be graded a because of the degradation you know then after the grinding process it might turn out at the final product might be more like a b grade oh i see so so we might use a higher quality leaf because we know that the modern machine will degrade it in some way and kind of lower the quality the finish the final product so that's what we'll do to alleviate that problem okay so let, let's say one of our of our listeners want, wants to buy matcha and, and how how does one know if a matcha is is good or not okay. i mean before, before trying it um, can you tell because of the smell and the color and all that uh, yeah so you again you have to be like a kind of like a sommelier but uh, usually what i typically what i do usually price it, it, right off the bat usually price will be an indication of the quality because matcha okay. really is one of those things where um, you're, you know, you got to pay for quality. You're not going to find a high quality matcha for cheap. So usually, seeing the price um, for a 30 gram tin, I want to say on average on the market, you will see it anywhere between probably 26 to 30 dollars or so for a ceremonial grade. That's uh, U.S. dollars. That's a typical average price. If you see anything cheaper, it's probably what we what I would consider a cooking or ingredient grade. Now, of course, not all the time that is a perfect indicator because somebody might be overcharging their matcha. They might be trying to sell a low quality for very high, but that's usually the first indicator. The second, I always tell people, don't worry about these names that these businesses and manufacturers have. Like they have, you know, emperor matcha, samurai matcha, <laughs> whatever. Like what it, uh, what it breaks down to is I always tell them, you know, Find out what the matcha is then used for. Is it used for is it a ceremonial grade used for just hot tea, or is it a cooking or ingredient grade? Because you want to make sure you're getting uh, the proper matcha for the correct uh, usage. Because I've had some people buy a uh, ceremonial grade and then use it in ice cream, and I tell them, you know, you're kind of wasting you're wasting money in that sense. You don't need to use such a high quality matcha. And then once you actually get the matcha, of course. One company's say you're getting a green grade. One company's ingredient grade might be different, differ from a different company's ingredient grade. That's when you actually want to kind of cup them and put them side by side. So what we do whenever we sample a different company's matcha, we'll actually put some of the powder out on a white plate side by side, and uh, a higher quality matcha is going to have a much more of a nice jade green like color to it, whereas a lower quality matcha is going to have more of a yellowish brownish color. Okay. Um, if you were then to actually feel the matcha, say if you feel it in between your fingers, 
Of course, a higher quality is going to have more of a silky, smooth feel, kind of like an eyeshadow or maybe like baby powder, something like that. Whereas the lower quality, uh, you'll notice more coarseness um, in it. And quite so honestly, it's, it's not as fine. Yeah, it's not as fine. And, and quite honestly, this could also affect the final product. Like when you say you, if you go to whisk a cup of matcha, um, if the matcha is very fine, you're going to get that microfoam very easily, that, that crema, that really, you know, bubbly, creamy uh, top to it, like a latte, um, where if it's very coarse, oftentimes you'll either have trouble getting that frothy layer or the bubbles will kind of break up and dissipate quicker. So that's that's how uh, the, you know, the finest will actually and feel will actually affect the final uh, cup. Then next, if you actually smell the matcha, higher qualities are going to contain more of the amino acids. So it's going to have a, more of a sweet vegetal-like smell, um, whereas the, the lower-quality matcha, if you were actually to smell it, it's going to have a strong, like, maybe like a my coworker and colleague mentioned, he, he describes it more as a, like a fresh-cut grass kind of a smell. It's really, I mean, it's really hard to articulate, but once you've smelled it, you'll kind of understand it, like, you'll, you'll know it once you smell it. And then finally, the, the last part is actually cupping and drinking the matcha. So a higher-quality matcha will have uh, less astringent bitterness to it it should be more of a cleaner drink whereas a lower quality matcha is going to have more of that bitterness to it when they cup um when the tea tasters cup the matcha do they make it the same way or, or is it a different method um we I, I i we make sure to of course make it the same way so you know um like for example when i'm doing it here um at my office when i'm cupping a, a different grades i will we have a uh, uniform like tea bowls no teacups, so we'll we'll go ahead and uh, line those up. Uh, make sure I actually use a um, half a teaspoon of each product. So I actually use a half a teaspoon measure, and I make sure to um, actually sift and put them all into each cup. Then I will take my picture picture of water, and then I will um, go down the line. Say I'm doing like two or three at the same time. I'll pour in my water to each one, and then I'll whisk them side by side, and then add a little bit more water. To, to volume it up so I can have more to, to sample. So I, I, I make sure everything is uniform so that I have a perfect, uh, you know, I cup them and there's no difference. Yeah, I see. Um, last time I, I was in, in this Japanese online store, I, I was just looking and they, they had different, different matches for different uh, styles of the tea ceremony. Does it matter, or, or they were just doing it because? Well, I don't know. Can, can you tell the difference? Um, you can. I mean, if you're probably like an average drinker, you may not notice much. Like if you were drinking it side by side, but if you probably drink a cup every day, and you have that, you kind of built up that standard or and familiarity with the tea. If you try something different, you may notice it. Because, um, for example, we do have a ceremonial grade, and we have a higher grade called our premium. So quite honestly, in the tea ceremony, not a lot of people know this, but there's actually two types of preparation methods. So one method is called usucha, or basically thin tea, which everybody's familiar with. That's typically what everybody gives for um, the preparation notes for matcha, where, where you add you know, about two grams or half a teaspoon of matcha. You then add about two to three ounces of water and whisk it up, and then... Um, you can drink it as is. Um, they'd be, that's how they do in the tea ceremonies, like three and a half sips. Or you can add more water to taste. Um, 
Now, that's one way. Um, the other way is called uh, koicha, or basically thick tea. So in this method of preparation, you actually use double the amount of tea and you add less water. So you actually add about four grams of matcha or maybe like a full teaspoon. And you add only like a slight dab of water and you're, also, you're not really so much whisking. You're kind of kneading the, the tea and it's almost like it has a much thicker consistency. It, it's almost similar to like um, cough syrup. So when you drink, it actually kind of coats the tongue. And because you're using such, such so much tea and so little water, um, you need to use, you want to use a high grade or what we call uh, like, well, we have a premium grade matcha because you're going to definitely notice more of the bitter notes in the tea since you're, you're essentially just consuming tea and there's like no water because a lot of times, you know, by adding water, you, you may dilute some of the, the bitterness. So this one is concentrated. Yeah. So it's really concentrated. So if, if you were to take like say our ceremonial and our premium and prepare them as koicha, you probably will notice definitely notice that the premium is a higher grade where you might notice a little bit more bitter astringent notes in the um in the cer- uh, ceremonial grade because we don't because that's we call we tailor that more for doing usucha rather than koicha okay so that's the way you you cup it um yeah yeah i mean if you're making if you're for the tea ceremony there's those two different ways yeah uh, now some people do use premium you can definitely use that as usucha like the thin tea as well but you know it's it's really um, we would probably say that with the premium, you could do both koicha and usucha, whereas the ceremonial, we'd probably only re- recommend usucha. I was seeing your your online store, and, and you also have a, a lot of like um, different kinds of, of tea. Um, could, could you tell us something about the, the newer ones that, that you have right now? We do have a new matcha uh, product, um, in, which is actually called our uh, matcha to go. It's actually um, our ceremonial grade matcha that actually um, is in a stick sachet uh, packet, so it's so you can take it with you on the go. Um, this particular product, we actually blend it with a little bit of dietary, uh, dietary fiber, um, like fibrosol, just to make it more um, water dispersible and kind of act as a way to uh, prevent clumping. Because um, as anybody knows, matcha naturally, because it's so fine, it naturally clumps. So the whole point yeah. behind this is that uh, if you're traveling, you're on, you know, you're out and about. You can just simply pour this uh, stick into a, a water bottle, shake it up, and then you can have matcha. And you don't have to worry about any clumping. You don't have to worry about having the need of a whisk or anything like that. Or even if you're simply like uh, at the office and you just want to have a hot cup of tea, but again, you only have a mug and a spoon. Um, you can just simply pour this into a mug in your hot water and just use a spoon, and it'll it'll still dissolve uh, evenly without the need of again a whisk or any or any um, of the traditional tools. So you don't even need hot water, right? Yeah, you can do both hot or cold, whatever you prefer. Um, okay. Way. Besides the dietary fiber, does it have something else? Uh, no, it's just simply those two products. We were basically when we were creating this uh, this product in particular, um, we were we wanted to make it so that it had you know very little other ingredients. We and we wanted to maintain the integrity of the taste of the ceremonial matcha. So that way, if the average person were to drink it, they wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Um, so there's no color or, or um, a difference in taste at all. Yeah, so it's, it's not sweetened. It's not sweetened at all. Oh, very good. Okay, um, James, well, I think time is up now. Thanks a lot for, for all your information that you've just shared with us. I'll be reviewing the, the matcha to go in the following weeks. Yeah, and whenever you, you want to 
uh, be interviewed again and have a different topic to that you want to talk about, you're you're welcome to to join again. Sure. Uh, thanks a lot for again for having me. Um, yeah, and again, you know, if you uh, you or any of your listeners have any questions regarding match or anything in particular, um, you know, you can always go to our website at www.aya-america.com and send us an email. We'll be happy to answer any questions about matcha or uh, Japanese green tea in general. Uh, th thanks, and see you around. All right. You too. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. If you like this podcast, don't forget to rate it on iTunes. Also, you can see the show notes at www.myjapanesegreentea.com slash episode 17. Thanks for listening to My Japanese Green Tea Podcast at www.myjapanesegreentea.com.